a silence 18 to 25 years in the making. It's what most of us experience in our homes as our youngest children graduate from high school and move into their next steps, leaving us in our empty nest. A silence that feels somehow different from the silence we get during their teen years when they hole up in their rooms. No to empty boxes in the pantry, slamming doors and sibling spats, yes to dinner for two or just one, and knowing no one is going to finish your pint of ice cream before you get back to it. It's a silence that takes some getting used to as it mixes with sadness over time that moves all too fast. But for one Winston-Salem mom of four, as that silence grew louder, she decided to add a new layer of sound into her household. Today on Our Human Stories, Refilling the Empty Nest. We're all just ordinary people doing the very best we can. And we all have one thing in common. We all come from somewhere and have a story to tell. Ordinary people with extraordinary stories. I'm Jen Chaffman. Welcome to Our Human Stories, the O's podcast. Hear directly from ordinary people as they share their extraordinary stories. My name is Christine. I'm originally from Long Island, New York, and I uh, got divorced when my children were very young, my four adult children, and got a teaching job in North Carolina and moved with a three, five, seven, and nine-year-old to North Carolina all by myself. That was 20 years ago. And now? My oldest is 29 years old. He is a doctor. He is um, an anesthesiologist resident at uh, University of Maryland. My 27-year-old son is applying to PA school. My 25-year-old son is um, a fermentation scientist, so he works for a company called Bulldrock, and he makes cider. And my daughter is a geology grad student at University of Kentucky. You said you have four grown children, but I hear a baby in the background. Who is that? That would be Finn, who is a 23-month-old, my 23-month-old foster son. You heard right. As Christine watched her grown kids launch into their adult lives and began facing those empty nest years, she found that new silence to be too loud for her house. Mommy! Well, when Kelly left for college, she was gone about three years, and I worked from home. Even pre-pandemic, I worked from home. And it was very quiet. And I have a large house. And of course, a lot of my friends thought, oh, you should sell your house and move and start over and downsize. And I just really wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to downsize. And like I said, it was very quiet. And then about um, sometime in April of 2018, um, I heard a story on a news show about children being held in Walmarts. And it was so upsetting to me um, at the border in Texas. And so it really bothered me. And so I looked up like, well, why aren't they in foster homes? And when I looked that up, I realized that there weren't enough foster homes. (laughs) And I was just over the next week or two, foster care just kept coming up in my life, in things I was reading, in things completely unrelated to online. I would see a billboard that had, we need foster parents. I had just a series of things happened that made it, uh, it kept coming up and coming up. And it was almost like this spiritual thing, like, ooh, the, the universe is trying to get me to do foster care, but that's ridiculous. I'm 52 at the time. And I thought, no way, that's nuts. Um, 
there were several other things that happened that were just almost spooky weird. So I decided, well, I wanted to do this. She felt like these signs were trying to send her a message that she was supposed to change her life's path. And while she tried to ignore them, those signs kept popping up. And like one of the final signs was I just during that same week, I was in my room. My mom had given me a giant file of like my birth certificate and my footprints and immunization cards. And I don't even remember what I was looking for, but I was looking in that file. And in there was a little steno pad. Uh, paper, you know, the ones the long and they have those the uh, spiral at the top and it was a piece of paper and I opened it up and it was a letter that I had written to my mom and dad when I was 10 years old and it said mom and dad um, this summer can we do foster care and that was like I sat in my closet and just was dumbfounded how this could have happened like how did I why did I find that letter that day that that same week that all of this was going on. It was just really bizarre. After trying to silence the thoughts in her head, Christine started taking them a bit more seriously. So I went, first went to my uh, adult son who still lived at home, the one that's applying for PA school, the third oldest, and asked him what he thought. And he was like, yeah, that would be good. And then I prepared myself for the next two weeks for my boyfriend to break up with me <laughs> because I was going to tell him that this is something I really felt strongly called to do and that I, I couldn't deny that this is what I wanted and that it was so strong, the feeling that this is what I was supposed to do, that I figured he would leave. And so I literally spent two weeks preparing for this breakup. And then I went to him and told him and he said, wow, well, I guess I'll support you any way I can. And I thought, okay, that wasn't the answer I was prepared for. And so it, it took a little adjusting to figure out how I was going to deal with it. Buy-in from the people in her household most impacted by this sudden change was just the first step in a process that took a while to complete. So within about another week or so, I um, went online and looked up um, the foster care for my county and filled out a information, you know, seeking information paper. Um, and they called me pretty much right away because I submitted it online and they called me right away and uh, told me, you know, come in for an information meeting that they were having. And so I went to the information meeting and then we started classes um, in the end of June of 2018. So I did classes, um, 30, it's 30 hours of classes. And my adult son, who was living with me at the time, 27 year old, and my boyfriend, well, the three of us took all of the classes together by uh, October of 2019, which is, it sounds like a long time, but it's uh, a lot of paperwork, a lot of um, background checks and fingerprinting. And so it took a while. Um, and so our official day of being licensed was October 4th, 2019. After a hiccup that put the process on hold and switching from the county agency to a private fostering agency, things began to move a bit faster. And by the week of Thanksgiving in 2019, the agency notified Christine that they had three brothers who were currently being cared for in separate homes that they wanted together as an intact family. The boys were three months, five, and 11 years old. The older boys didn't know their younger brother at all. We all met, including the baby and the older boys and both sets of foster parents and myself and my boyfriend. We all met at a Chick-fil-A um, and spent some time there. 
And then two days later, I went and got the boys. I picked up, I went and got car seats and booster seats and everything that I needed. Drove to those two homes, picked up all three boys and brought them back to my house. And so this was probably December, like 11th or 12th. Um, brought them to my home for the first time, showed them around. We made Christmas ornaments. We made pizza, homemade pizza. And the boys were really sweet with their baby brother. They had only met him at Chick-fil-A that one time and, and they were really sweet to him. They took turns talking to him. And one of the things I did is I had the five-year-old paint the bottom of the baby's foot so we could make footprints on the ornament. And that was really sweet. And um, then they moved in on the 14th, December 14th, so a couple days later. We'll continue Christine's story in just a moment. You're listening to Our Human Stories, the O's podcast, where ordinary people share their extraordinary stories. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe, like, and review us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. The boys moved into Christine's house, and as you can imagine, that once quiet empty nest soon morphed into a busy, active household once again. So parenting a four-month-old at 20, at 52 years old was a quick change. Um, also, I had never bottle fed before, so I had to actually have somebody come and teach me how to make a bottle, <laughs> how to feed the baby the bottle, and my initial attempt, I only put in half the formula and double the water. So, you know, it was, it was really pathetic, but anyway, we got it. <laughs> I, I, I learned quickly, <laughs> um, but it was interesting to go from a 20, having a child who was 21, I uh, had been 21 years since I had a baby to having this four month old in my house who didn't sleep well and was still recovering from um, some exposure in utero. Meanwhile, the two older boys initially continued at their old school to limit disruption in their lives, so they took a bus 45 minutes each way to their old school. But after a while, Christine got permission to move the kindergartner to the neighborhood school. After Christmas in January, he started um, at that, at the school, uh, the local school. And so it was great for about a month and a half, two, all two and a half months, and then came COVID. Right. COVID. Just as Christine was getting into a groove with the boys in her house, the world shut down for a global pandemic, adding some unexpected glitches to some of her plans. Parenting children, especially ones, uh, children that have had no exposure to most things in the world, suddenly being in lockdown with them kind of ruins all the plans that you had and these dreams of taking them to their first movie theater and taking them to restaurants and and exposing them to playgrounds and parks. And it, it couldn't happen because we were on lockdown. Um, in a way, it was a good thing. Um, it's, you know, of course, there's a silver lining. The silver lining here was that I got to be their teacher and their parent. And so we had a lot of time to get to know each other, to, for me to assess their strengths and weaknesses in um, their academic life, as well as their emotional life. Um, you know, we joke that the the little, the middle child is now known for his wonderful penmanship. And it's like, well, yeah, his mom <laughs> used to teach first grade a long, long time ago. It's been a bit more than a year and a half since these three brothers moved into Christine's home, bringing new levels of chaos and unexpected joys. You're taking children who have been raised in a really bad situation 
they come with lots of challenges, but they have never had structure and they, and they've been around people who, um, not just their parents, but their parents' friends who were really um, bad influences and that they really had no guidance. They've never um, celebrated a birthday. They've never um, gone to a lot of places. They've, they, uh, the oldest has told me that no one had ever made him lunch, made, they've never sat down for breakfast, sat down for dinner, sat, they've never sat and had a family meal. They, no one ever prepared that for him before. So it was an adjustment to suddenly have all these routines and talking about bathing every day and brushing your teeth twice a day and how to cook. And there's just, you when you have your own children, natural children, you learn that those things are being taught from the time that they're two years old. And those unexpected joys? The baby, you know, growing up calling me mommy and my boyfriend, daddy, and, um, and my son, he calls him by his first name. He calls him Dewin instead of Dylan. <laughs> um, he is watching him grow up to be this perfectly normal after dealing with a lot of challenges that he had to deal with. He is now developmentally exactly where he should be. He's um, healthy and joyful and he laughs all the time. And it's so amazing because I look at him and I, I never knew that this little baby was something I needed so badly. I mean, he is just such a joy. And his two brothers, despite their challenges, have come so far and they're, they really are really good boys. It just, um, watching them experience things for the first time, watching Nathan, the oldest, um, go from a child who missed so much school that his parents had to serve time for truancy because he didn't go to school for years. He was so far behind. He had D's and F's when he came to live with me. And this last fourth quarter, he got all A's and B's. And it was such a thrill to see him be so proud of himself and to actually say to him, you must be so proud of yourself. You might be wondering what Christine's adult kids feel about this new setup. My older children have were extremely supportive as far as fostering. They were excited and they said, well, if that's something that you feel like you should do, you should do it. Um, my uh, oldest and my third child, uh, once it came down to um, the day that they said, hey, these kids are not gonna go back home. Um, and it looks like there's no family that can take all three or that would qualify to take any. Um, we need you to start considering whether you want to adopt them. That's right. While short-term fostering is what Christine signed up for, things have taken a pretty big turn for this blended family. Up until that point, I had said, you know, I'm not doing foster care to grow my family. I am doing it just to provide a place. And my heart was really for siblings, trying to keep siblings together while their families, until they could reunify with their families. Because the goal of foster care is always reunification. And that's really what I, I had, that had been drilled into my head so much that considering adoption just really wasn't in the it wasn't in my in my plan at all it wasn't in my plan at all so um 
when uh, they said, you know, they're not going to go home and you need to consider whether you want to adopt them. Suddenly my older children really struggled um, where they, they were um, my, the one that lived here was not, he did not have any difficulty at all. He was like, of course, we're going to adopt them. If you won't adopt them, then I'm going to adopt them. And single man, the 27 year old man who still is applying to grad school. Um, that was not really the, a, a good choice for him. Um, my daughter um, said, I think you're crazy, but if you feel like this is the right thing, then do it and I'll support you. But they are supportive. Uh, everybody is, you know, nobody is like, you know, ending the family or anything like that over it. They're, they're fine. For some of us, we move into our empty nest years, imagining scenarios that include grandchildren, travel, and downsizing into a smaller space. For Christine, those plans are still there, maybe with added children or responsibilities, maybe delayed a bit. But for this family, the rewards of this unexpected change in a life's path outweigh the downsides. You look at that and in comparison to where they came from and what they would be and who they would become. And it's just such a joy to realize that really you've changed the trajectory of these boys' lives. Um, And I don't know. I don't know what they're going to be. You know, they may not be doctors and lawyers and, and superstars, but maybe they will be. And they're just, there's so much potential, you know. Thank you to my guest, Christine, for sharing her story. Christine says there's always a need for more foster parents. Check out the show notes and descriptions for links to more information about fostering in North Carolina. You've been listening to the O's podcast, Our Human Stories, with your host, Jen Chaffman. You can find Our Human Stories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. The O's podcast is written, produced, and edited by Jen Chaffman and comes to you courtesy of CSD Productions.